eat. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, Adam, my mic seems like it's smoking today. <laughs> Well, how is everybody doing? Oh, come on. You can't, if you can't have a good time in church, where can you have a good time? You guys doing okay? You haven't eaten too much turkey? You got the, you know, the turkey belly lethargy going on? Just like, oh, let me sleep. Oh, come on. Let's stir it up. We're going to continue on in our series on the Holy Spirit, and we are, we are way deep into this now. I think we're 18 weeks, and this is going to be part 16, and we still got a lot more to cover. But, you know, I, I keep trying to speed things up. And I was planning on trying to cover uh, four of the gifts today. And just as I be sat down and began to ask the Holy Spirit what to do, it's like, nope, nope, we don't want to rush. We don't want to rush. We want to have a good, balanced understanding of the way the Holy Spirit moves. We want to have an understanding of the gifts so that when they show up, you're not like, what's going on? You understand, and you have an understanding of, of how He wants to move. And that's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He said, of the spiritual gifts or the way the Spirit moves, I don't want you to be ignorant. And so we teach on these things so that we're not ignorant, because ignorance is solvable if we have an open heart. And so we're on week on the, on our su- week three of our sub-series called Gifts Galore, and we started with the ministry gifts where he said that he has given grace to each one of us. And then we've moved on to the last two. This week and last week we were talking about the gifts of the Spirit, which it says that the, the word gifts there is the word charismas, which is flows of grace. And so when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, they are just outflows of His grace flowing to us and through us to those around us. Because His his heart is to bring hope, help, and healing to the world, to everyone that is around us, right? Come on. He, He doesn't want just you to have a good time with Him. He doesn't want just you to go to heaven and be with Him forever. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so as Christianity, we need to get over this mentality of us four and no more. You know, He said, go and share. We're not to be afraid of the world. He said, we're not of the world, but we're in it. And He's made us kings and priests in this world. We are His hands and His feet. It said, how beautiful are the feet of them who preach the good news. You're the one who the good news has been given to. And so we have to understand how the gifts flow because they are His tools that help you as you begin to just minister to people. And he said in verse 7 of chapter 12, he says, but the manifestation or the expression or the operation of the Spirit is given to each one. Everyone say each one. Say, that's me. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. It's given to each one. And we really need to make sure that that gets hammered home because there's a, when we talk about the Spirit, we have this idea that it's only for a select few. And it's for the super spiritual ones, the ones who are very mature. But if we look just two chapters ahead, we saw that the ch- church of Corinth, who was a very immature church, had the gifts flowing all the time in abundance, so he had to bring 
order and structure to them. So it's not for the super elites of Christianity because that word shouldn't exist. We're all equal in Christ Jesus. We've all been made one with Him. Some of us just have open hearts and others haven't learned that yet. And so he says each one for the profit of all or that we all carry the load is what that word means. And we, we can see that this word, this word, each one, is very much seen in application. Two chapters when, later, when Paul is bringing uh, structure, he says to the Corinthians, he says, How is it, brethren, that whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation? Let all things be done for edification or the building up of the church. And so the idea of each one shouldn't scare us. When you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, He wants to speak. He wants to talk to you. He wants to talk through you. He wants to turn you into a blessing to those around you in this world. And so He says, for one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one. Everyone say it again. Each one individually as he wills, or that word means as he has purpose. Man, he's got, he's got purpose. He's got purpose walking around you every day. And we think the idea of as individually as he wills, it's like when he's in the right mood, uh, he's way more willing than we ever are. Look at Jesus. He was filled with the Holy Spirit everywhere he went. Miracles just happened. Wisdom just flowed. Why? Because he was just as willing as the Holy Spirit. And so when it comes to the flow of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit isn't the weak link. He's not a moody person. He's saying, no, I want to bring hope, help, and healing. I like how this verse is rendered, though, in the Passion Translation. It says, remember, it is the same Holy Spirit who distributes, who activates, and operates these different gifts and that should tell us this these are supernatural gifts when we talk about the gifts of the spirit these are not natural things that you've learned and developed these are supernatural revealings and empowerings that come through your relationship with the holy spirit as he just begins to talk to you and want to work through you And so when we talk about the gifts, they are supernatural. So let's avoid the tendency to try to make make them be a natural thing. But the reality is, they will come very naturally to you. Do you want to know why? You are a son and daughter of God. The supernatural has become natural for you. You are in Christ Jesus. You have been seated in heavenly places together with him these are natural for you and so we said with the categorization of the nine we can really break them up into three categories we have the revelation gifts and they reveal something we have what we call the power gifts and they do something and then we have the vocal or the inspirational gifts and they say something 
And so we, last week we started working on the revelation gifts, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. And we're going to continue on in that vein again today. You okay with that? Good, because we're doing it anyways. You know, when I was, I was sitting down, I was like, well, God, we got Thanksgiving coming up this weekend, and I just did not feel to do a festive message for you all. So we're going to go over it all. We've all heard messages on Thanksgiving. We should come boldly before his throne of grace. We should enter his gates with Thanksgiving. That's an everyday thing. But we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And so we said, starting with the word of knowledge last week, it could be defined as the supernatural revelation by the Holy Spirit of certain facts in the mind of God relating to past and to present. We, do we have that down now? The word of knowledge is past and present. It's a revealing of something you did not know and could not know. It's something the Holy Spirit gave to you by His revelation. And then we said that the word of wisdom is a word of revelation in the mind of God of what is going to take place in the future or how to resolve a difficult situation. So word of knowledge will reveal things from the past or things that are going on in the present. Word of wisdom will then take you from the present. He will show you how to overcome obstacles that you may be facing right now and give you glimpses of the good future that he has intended for you. And they often work hand in hand. He will reveal something to heal something. There's things about our past that the Holy Spirit will bring up so that he can remove that obstacle and that stumbling block out of the way. He doesn't reveal things from the past to shame you and condemn you and break you down. He reveals it so he can heals it. And I, I realize that is not good English. So he takes you from the past to the present, and they'll often work together to lead you on into the future. So we have to understand, God's got a good future for you. It says he knows the plans that he has for you. They are good plans filled with peace and hope and blessing. He knows them. He reveals them. But as we were saying about the word of wisdom as we were closing last weekend, it is often conditional. He will show you the picture, but then you have to work with him and walk with him. You realize that this relationship that we have is not one-sided. He will give us opportunities. He will reveal things to us, but he will never make you walk through something or towards something. And that's why we have Christians. They get saved one way and they die one way because there was never any growth or cooperation. And then we have other people who get saved and it seems like they just take off like a bullet and run. They're like, I want all that God has for me because they're wanting to work with him, walk with him and let him flow through. So those were the two that we covered last week, that was, which means that this week we're covering the discerning of spirits. And this is a great one to cover because it is often so misunderstood and misrepresented. So let's start with our definition so that we can get it down. It's the supernatural ability to see into the realm of the spirit and recognize what spirits are operating and in exercising their influence. We have to understand that we are spirit beings, right? We are a spirit. We have a soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, and we live in a body. Who else is spirit? 
John 4 says that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. There is a heaven and there is a hell. Do you see it with your physical eyes? No. But there is a spirit realm that the Holy Spirit can open up your ability to see what's going on even around you right now. In this room, there is a flurry of spiritual activities. There are angels that are on assignment that are standing right here with you right now. There's stuff that's going on beyond our natural ability to see, and the gift of the discerning of spirit opens up from your heart to be able to see what's going on, recognize what's at work, and recognize what is exercising influence. Now, this is if we jump back to the very first of this series 18 weeks ago. We mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we have, verse 9, we have this verse that says, Eye has not seen, nor ear has prepared, uh, heard, the, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them, that love, those that love him. And a lot of people say, well, you just never know, and you just can't know what God's going to do. But he says, but... God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. We're talking about the revelation gifts which reveal something. And so it's right in the vein of what he's talking about here in, the, in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. And he says, For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So when we're talking about receiving the infilling of the Holy Spirit and letting Him lead us, if the Spirit of God knows the things of God and the Spirit of God is in you, the Spirit of God will lead you, He will guide you, and He will reveal things to you. So he says, now we have not, we have, now we have, let's get the words right, received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So he wants us to know. He wants us to look to those revealings. He doesn't want you to be in the dark. He wants everything to be exposed. It's kind of like when, you, when you're with your kids, it's kind of like you want to teach them exactly how things are and what, what the possibilities are. And it, Daddy God is no different. He wants to sit down with his sons and daughters and say, well, you see what's going on here right now? This is what's actually happening. You know, it's no different than uh, natural fathers and natural mothers that way. And he says, these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual with spiritual. So again, these are not natural things we're talking about. It's not man's wisdom. It's God's word of wisdom. And he says, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned or spiritually viewed spiritually revealed and so there's things that he wants to reveal to you about what's going on in your life in relationships that you're involved in in uh, co-worker situations you know some people are just under the influence of things and you just think oh they're just having a bad day and as no there's something pushing their buttons and he can reveal things to you so that you can help them over it now 
when we're talking about subjects, it's easy to see what they are based upon what they are not. Is that understood? If we know what it's not, it makes it easier to understand what it is. And so one of the things I want to start right off the bat from, the gift of the discerning of spirit is not the gift of suspicion. Come on. Got too many people with that gift in the body of Christ. It's not the gift of suspicion. It's not, I think this person has a demon. <laughs> no, they could just be a jerk. <laughs> Sorry, I'm pointing at Toph. <laughs> here, I'll point, point over here. <laughs> it's not what you think is going on in their life. This is something that he reveals and you see. It's not that I, I it's not you looking for demons under every, every rug and around every corner and in every closet. And on top of that, it's not the discerning of evil spirits though it, that is involved in it, there's much more to the discerning of spirits than seeing demons and things that are going on. What about angels? What about other spirits that God has created to serve Him? You think about all the stories in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Like, look at Paul. It's like an angel just shows up and gives him the instructions. That is through a discerning of spirits. His eyes are open to see the angel to receive the instructions. And so this is not about looking for the work of the enemy around every corner. You want to know why? He's defeated! We should not be that concerned at what he's doing. When it's revealed to us, guess what? You are much more in power and stronger than he is. What did, what did Jesus say? He said, they should, in my name, they'll cast out demons. Not will cower. Not will hide. No. When it is revealed you got to realize you are much, 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 much more equipped to handle the situation than them overcome you. And so it's not all about the work of the enemy. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Partake of all that he has. What does the Bible say? Taste and see that he is good. I'd rather focus on everything that he is and deal with everything else that comes. But don't go looking for a demon around every corner. And so when we see the gift in application throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, we don't always see it based around evil spirits. We see angels and we see other things. And so let's start from the Old Testament like we did last week and work our way up to where we are. And so in 2 Kings chapter 6, we have the story of uh, the prophet Elisha. And what's going on in this chapter, for a little context, is Israel is at war with Syria. And as every time Syria is trying to attack, God reveals to the prophet Elisha through the word of wisdom, they're going to attack here and this is what they're going to do. And so he goes and tells the king and the king moves the troops and he, they show, the Syrians show up and they're like, hey, I thought we were fighting today and there's nobody here. And so finally the king of Syria gets upset and he says to his generals, he's like, one of you guys has betrayed us. And they said, no, 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 we're not a mole. They've got this prophet who tells the very things that you say in your bedchamber. 
And so here in chapter, in chapter 6, verse 15, the king of Syria finds that out. He's upset, and he said, i got to wipe out this prophet guy off the face of the earth. And so he sends an army to surround the city that he's in. And it said, when the servant of the man of God, so Elisha's servant, when he arose early, he went out, and there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? And so Elisha said, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And the, pro the servant kind of goes, all I see is them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened his eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. His eyes were open to see the army of God that was greater than the Syrian army. It wasn't a revealing of what the enemy was doing. It was a revealing of God's position of strength. And he, let me, let me just tell you this, he stands in a position of strength in every situation. Everyone, every single one. Okay, so that's Old Testament. We won't put a lot of time in that this year, week. We jump ahead now to the life of Jesus. And we understand if you've read through the Gospels, Jesus had lots of experiences in the discerning of spirits. He had the, his, his situation with the, the legion, demon of legion, where there was tons of demons in the guy. But I want to do a different story from Jesus this week. In Luke chapter 13, we have Jesus in verse 10. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, and was bent over and could no way raise herself up. And so we've got this lady, and it is revealed to Jesus that it's because of a spirit of infirmity, she's been stuck like this for 18 years. That's a You think your back problems suck? Come on, Jonathan and Emily, I'm sure you guys would want to get in there and crack some backs on that one. But she's been stuck like this for 18 years because of a spirit of infirmity. And the reason why I wanted to use this story is because in this situation with Jesus, it was a spirit that was causing this. But not every sickness you run into is that problem. So don't be casting the demons out of the sick people unless it's been revealed to you. Because they could have been in just an accident. Maybe they've abused their body and it started to break down. Maybe there's just situations, that the genetic issues in their family that has led them. doesn't mean that it, the devil is sitting there like, okay, you now got cancer. So don't go looking for a demon in those situations unless God reveals that to you. And if it is, deal with it. So Jesus called to her and said, called her to him and said, Woman, you're loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. When the true gift of discerning of spirits is in work, at work, it brings glory to God. You can tell where it came from, by who it gives glory to. 
That's how you know the gifts of the Spirit at work. They bring the focus to God, not to you, not to the situation. And so he frees her from the spirit of infirmity, and she immediately says, thank you, God. So always recognize that it, glory goes to God. Because we've seen so many people over the church history fall because they liked the limelight. They liked the glory. Man, you're no different than your neighbor. And as I said last week, if he can talk through a donkey, we should just count ourselves lucky to be in the same category. <laughs> Let the glory go back to God. Okay, let's jump through to the church age now in Acts chapter 8. We've talked a lot during this series about Philip the Evangelist. In Acts chapter 8, Philip goes down to the city of Samaria and he begins to preach Jesus to them and he begins to heal the sick and they begin to turn to Jesus en masse. And when up in Jerusalem, Peter and John hear about it, they go down so that they can lay hands on them to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter and John have arrived on the scene. They begin to do that. In Acts chapter chapter 8 verse 18 we see find this verse it says when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles hands the Holy Spirit was given he gave offered them money saying give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit but Peter said to him your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with your money and that's a great warning to Christianity today God doesn't care about your money he cares about your heart and he says you ne have neither part nor portion in this matter for your heart is not right in the sight of God how did Peter know that he said repent therefore of this your wickedness, and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned with bitterness and bound with iniquity. And so here the discerning of spirits is used to reveal the content and the character of Simon's heart. To condemn him? No. Peter said, repent and turn from it and that's exactly what happened as it was revealed to Peter he pointed it out this is what I see in your heart repent from it and the next verse what happens is Simon turns and says please don't let anything you just said come to pass I repent I'm done I turn and so again we see that it brought healing to the situation and in this case it brought healing to the heart of Simon who was corrupt and we have people that have grown up different ways than we have. And their heart just doesn't respond the same way. God will heal the broken heart. He will heal the wounded heart. He will heal, heal the insecure heart. Whatever it is, he sees. He heals. He brings wholeness back. And why did he do this? Why, why was it so important that God wanted to heal Simon's poisoned heart of bitterness? Well, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. 
So what he was saying is bitterness will cause you to reject the grace of God. How are we saved? By grace, through faith. And so he wanted to heal that root of bitterness so that Simon could stand before God and say, it's not by my works. It's not by what I've done. I received it by grace alone. Okay, let's jump ahead a few years into the, the ministry of Paul. If we jump to Acts chapter 16, we have Paul has just come down into the region of Philippi, and as he gets in there in verse 16 of chapter 16, it says, Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed of a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. And this girl followed Paul, followed Paul and us, and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And why was she doing this? The enemy was trying to take the message away from Paul, and he wanted to distract from what he was wanting to do in Philippi. And so the enemy is saying, Oh, come and listen to these people. You know, they're the way of the Most High God. And of course, people are hearing her, and they're going, I don't want anything to do with this and they're walking away and it says and this she did for many days and it says but Paul greatly annoyed yeah you think <laughs> greatly annoyed turned and said to the spirit I command you in the name of Jesus come out of her and he came out that very hour so what do we need to see in this? When it was revealed to Paul, even though it was, it was spurred on by his annoyance, I think the Holy Spirit was just as annoyed as he was. He was like, I want to work in Philippi. This girl is the spirit and this girl is in the way. And so finally Paul was like, we got to do something about it. And it is revealed to him what's going on. And you notice what he did? He said, he spoke to the spirit and said, I can, I'm doing it to you. I'll do Annie this time. I command you to come out of her in the name of Jesus Christ. He didn't speak to the girl. He spoke to the spirit. And it came out of her. It said he came out that very hour. And so we have to understand where the ministry is focused when it is revealed. If, so, you, if it is revealed to you that someone is possessed, deal with the spirit, not the person. God loves the person. He'll stomp that devil. And he commanded in the name of Jesus. It's not in your power. It's not in your strength. It's not in your goodness in your nature that has become aligned with God. You use the name that's been given to you in the name of Jesus come out. It says, but when her masters saw that their hope for profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. They dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. So even though they did the right thing, the result was less than desirable to them. And I just want to let you know that sometimes that happens. You do God's things, you do what He reveals to you, and He is pleased. Doesn't mean everybody else will. Do it anyways. Do it anyways, because the city ends up turning. And we know we have the book of Philippians written to the church at Philippi, which means the work that God wanted to be done there ended up getting done. Go with God, even if it makes you look bad to everyone else. 
Now, we have to be careful that we build a strong relationship with the Holy Spirit and His voice. Now, that just can be a general statement in general. Have a good relationship with the Holy Spirit. But when it comes to the discerning of spirits, everything that God has, the enemy tries to counterfeit. And there are situations where he, the enemy, will try and reveal things to you for a different purpose, to get you into fear, to get you into anxiety, to get you to withdraw from what God has for you. I even know that as a kid, I, I used to see all kinds of things, and it didn't make me go, oh, thank you, God, glorify God. No, it brought fear because it was not from God. And so the enemy will try to use counterfeit gifts to get you off track. And so the thing to, easy way to spot the counterfeit is to be so familiar with the real thing. Know the voice of the Holy Spirit. Have a strong relationship with Him. And then when the enemy shows up, hey, you're going to recognize it. You know, I remember one of my instructors telling us a story that uh, he had been uh, told to come to this meeting because there was this guy who was flowing in the gifts of the Spirit so strongly, and you just got to see it. And so he got there, and the, and the guy was up there, and he was doing what on the surface would look like words of knowledge. He was telling people about their past, and, and then he, um, he got to this one guy, and he said, I see that you have this precious gem, I think it was a ruby, and you've hidden it in this drawer. God is saying, I want you to go get that gem and bring it to me. He wants you to give it to me. That is not, God's not going to, he doesn't need to manipulate people to get them to give. It was not God. The man was listening to familiar spirits that knew that man. They've been hanging around with the man, and they were telling him, hey, this guy's got this. He was doing what on the surface looked like the gifts of the Spirit, but when you were familiar with the Holy Spirit, you can't be deceived that way. He said he'll talk plainly to you, that he won't speak in figurative language. You know it's him and when it's not him. You know, Brother Hagen told of a similar story where someone said, hey, come see this guy. And he, as he sat down in the back row, he realized that the guy was in one minute, he was listening to the Holy Spirit, and the next he was over here listening to familiar spirits. And then the longer he was listening to familiar spirits, he kept going that direction. And so he, Brother Hagen just said, I bind that spirit in the name of Jesus, and I commanded to be quiet. And he's sitting in the back row, and all of a sudden the guy's like, stops. And he had to close down the service. Because he couldn't hear what he was listening to because Brother Hagen dealt with the spirit, not with the man. And then he had opportunity to talk to him later on and straighten him out. But if you put your pole up in a lightning storm, sometimes you get hit. <laughs> and so what I'm saying is, when it comes to the gift of the spirit, know the Holy Spirit and you won't be deceived. Okay, so when it comes to the revelation gifts, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, the word of wisdom and knowledge are broader, and they apply to people, they apply to places, they apply to things, but when it's the discerning of spirits, it is supernatural insight only into the realm of spirits. So it's a much more narrow focus. And 
The discerning of spirits can also be to the discerning of the similitude or the likeness of God. We see this by the Holy Spirit. He reveals himself in different ways to different people. We know the story of Moses. He said, God, I want to see you. And he said, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and you can see me from behind. That's the revealing of the likeness of God. Or we see through a lot of the prophets in the Old Testament, they would see, I saw God. Like here in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. And so through a discerning of spirits to the prophet, he was able to see. Now, whether we can debate whether or not it was physical or if it was just something God had created for him to see um, for a specific purpose, whatever it is, he saw God sitting on the throne and he had a big old long robe. (laughs) And so it can reveal God to you. Or we also have it be the discerning of the risen Christ. What about Paul on the road to Damascus? He gets knocked off his voice and Jesus calls him. He says, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And so he was revealed through the Spirit to Paul. Where was Jesus at that time? In heaven, at the right hand of the throne. But through a revealing of the discerning of spirits, Jesus was able to communicate with Paul. And we're seeing tons and tons of this happening in the Middle East, in closed countries. Just stories of people in like Iran driving a taxi and looking in the rearview mirror, and Jesus is sitting in their back seat and begins to talk to them. Why? Because the message of the gospel is hard to get into those countries, and so he's revealing himself to them. It can also be the discerning of the Holy Spirit and His work. We look at the Apostle John when he was imprisoned on the Isle of Patmos. He begins to, in the, on the Lord's Day, he's praying, and the Holy Spirit begins to tell him what he's doing himself. He's like, this is what I'm doing in this church. This is what I'm doing in this church. And so when we come to church, you should all be able to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and know what's going to be happening just as much as me. That's how we know it's the Holy Spirit. He confirms. You know, just uh, two weeks ago when the Holy Spirit just interrupted our service, I came over and I gave the mic to Pastor Wendy and I said, you know, preach, pray, prophesy, raise the dead, heal the sick, whatever you got to do. And I didn't say anything to Pastor Robin. And now normally they work together. They flow together in tongues and interpretation. But that's not what the Holy Spirit was doing. And so when she walked up, he was kind of like, he felt inside. He's like, not me. Just because he's used you one way doesn't mean he'll always use you that way. And we should all be able to know by the leading of the Holy Spirit what the Holy Spirit wants to do in the service because it's a corporate service. It comes for our benefit, all of us, not my benefit. And so you should be knowing on the inside, like, I just feel like something's going to happen right now. Or you may even know what's going to happen because he can reveal through the gift of the discerning of spirits what he's wanting to do. But in all things, as we're saying with all the gifts, as Paul ended chapter 12, he said, earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way, and that is the way of love. I, like, I want to quote, read a little bit from Brother Hagen as we close today. I love what he said here in his book on the gifts of the Spirit. He gave this warning at the end of his chapter on it. He said, discerning of spirits is not a kind of spiritual mind reading, nor is it psychological insight, 
mental penetration, or the power to discern the faults of others. For this fault-finding, I have noticed, is not only possessed by believers, but unbelievers as well. (laughs) He says you don't even have to be converted to get this gift. However, this gift is forbidden in the Scriptures. It says, judge not that you be not judged. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. One purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to destroy this critical attitude and to replace it with a sweet attitude of gentle forbearance. The gift of discerning of spirits is not the gift of fault-finding. He said, if those who think they have this gift would just turn it on themselves for a few minutes, (laughs) they would never use it again. The gift of discerning of spirits is not the discerning of character or faults. It is not the discerning of people. It's the discerning of spirits. The Christian should walk in love. For love covers a multitude of sins. And Paul said, Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. And so, just like the other gifts, when the discerning of spirits is at work, it moves from a heart of love to build up people, to heal people, to strengthen people. If a motivation wants to do anything other than that, it's not from God. Amen? So, Father, we thank you for the gifts of the Spirit that you've given to us as gifts, as charismas that flow out of your grace. We thank you for the three that we've already talked about. And we just want to say, Lord, we are open to wherever we go. If you want to flow, if you want to work and bring healing to others, Have a wonderful week. We'll see you all soon.